Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about interesting ideas, promote freedom, and push back against authoritarianism. I'm your host, Brian. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to this week's episode. Let's jump right in. I thought it would be wise once again to cover this topic since it's all over Twitter X for the last few days. Now, don't forget that when people talk about the so-called conspiracy theories, pay attention. Too many of them are coming true. So the concern this week is over universal basic income or the rebranded version livable basic income up here in the socialist haven known as Canada. Now, I would call it a significant step towards communism, but as Karl Marx pointed out, socialism can only become communism when society becomes stateless or classless, since that's technically impossible because people make different choices leading to different outcomes. What people call communism is really just socialism. Now, the reason why a livable basic income is a hot topic again is because the government of Canada is starting the process of trying to get it implemented. You see, Trudeau is done in the next election, so it seems that they're trying to fast track every conspiracy theory out there. Now, the proposed bill S-233 and C-2233 is designed to create a framework to develop this terrible idea. Consider some of the key features they've listed in the bill. It's for any person over the age of 17, including temporary workers, permanent residents, and refugee claimants. To determine what constitutes a livable basic income for each region in Canada. To ensure that participation in education, training, or the labor market is not required. And lastly, this does not result in a decrease in services or benefits meant to meet an individual's exceptional needs related to health or disability. So where do I start? I mentioned on Twitter X that they've renamed universal basic income to livable basic income. Now, I don't know if you noticed the change, but it's not an accident. But you'll notice from the highlights I just mentioned that they want to determine what a livable income is for each region of Canada so it's not universal. Obviously, someone living in downtown Toronto or Vancouver have way higher living costs than most of the rural areas in Canada. So next, think about how as a young person, we all learned the value of money by working. We would work for it and then we'd hopefully not waste it. We'd not waste our labor efforts foolishly. This is a very important lesson to, to learn really in life. With this free handout, that won't happen. Most kids I speak with, if given the choice to get the same amount of money without having to do anything for it, wouldn't go work for it. Why would they? But this all depends on how much that free money will actually be. Is a basic income $24,000 a year or $2,000 a month? Young people would never work again. But if it's way lower, then it doesn't actually create a livable income in the first place. It even says, as a key point, you don't have to participate in education, training, or the labor market. It's completely free. Now, of course, we all know when the government offers something for free, there will be conditions for complying to whatever the government wants. Nothing the government provides is actually free in the end. The government knows they can sell this idea, but they can't sell this idea if the evil parts of the plan are out in the open. They always come later. I could really see this free money being tied to some form of digital ID or maybe this would be rolled out using a digital currency that the government could fully track and control. Or maybe you'll have to get chipped to participate in it. Who knows? And then you have the quantity of people 
that would get this benefit. It doesn't matter if you haven't contributed to the economy one bit. That's a lot of people that would get the benefit. If a country offers a free ride to people, obviously more people will find ways to get here. And when they do get here, they won't want to work if the basic income is high enough. Why would anyone? But I love how they try to pitch this. Canada, as a socialist slash free market hybrid, has a significant social security net already. But what is interesting is that the justification from Senator Kim Pate is that Canada has a homeless problem. Food insecurity, poverty, mental health. Who's been in charge for the last eight years creating these problems? They created all these problems. But I have a friend who bought a property to try to develop it. He had the old small house torn down and needed to get it rezoned to build a sixplex. It's a great thing to do when there's a housing shortage. And that was five years ago. And the many costly land and other surveys that had to go into the process, what a waste. He's still waiting to get approved. His application is still sitting on some bureaucrat's desk. When the government gets out of the way, things can get done, costs go down. But they blame everything except themselves for this. Okay, so now if you add a ton of free money that the recipients didn't have to work for to the equation of housing shortages and factor in all the 500,000 per year new immigrants that also want housing that will put upward pressure on housing prices more demand on limited supply. It doesn't add up. And they also talk about food insecurity. Well, when you print more money chasing the same amount of goods, the money becomes worth less. Estimates suggest that Canada printed 32% more money during COVID and they've added ever increasing carbon taxes to energy costs. And then they have the gall to wonder how food costs are so high and demand the grocery stores lower their prices. It's crazy. And then their solution to the devaluing of the currency due to their printing of money is to print more money. You can't make this shit up. They've projected that this will cost the government $88 billion a year. Now, if anybody has memories of anything the government ever promises at a certain price, we all know that everything the government prices out is always wrong. It's always lowballed by many multiples. But I wonder if they factored in all the new free riders that will want to come here. Either way, if everyone above 17 years old got $24,000 a year for sitting on their couch, the costs would be way higher than they estimate. Some estimates even put it at a half trillion dollars per year. Now, to give you perspective, compare that to the federal budget, including interest in 2019-2020. That was before the COVID budget explosion. And back then, the federal budget, including interest, was $360 billion, or just a little bit higher. The old saying, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. That comes to mind here. Where's all that money coming from? Now, I mentioned just now that people would collect the money from their couches. And don't kid yourself, people won't work if they can get away with it. It's the path of least resistance. I saw this during COVID when people were collecting their monthly $2,000 CERB payouts. People sure made up a lot of excuses about why they couldn't get off the couch and go to work. Then imagine how much less in labor taxes would be collected to pay for this massive new expenditure. Now, it's not that I think paying taxes is a great thing. The point is, is there would be 
more spending and less taxes to pay it out from. It's purely magical thinking. And the inflation that comes out of this would be astronomical. When the government started handing out loans and grants for higher education, higher education started costing more. Funny how that works out. But those institutions knew that there was more money on the table so they could get away with raising their prices. And this is basic economics. The same thing will happen with free money via this livable wage. The value of the dollar will diminish at ever increasing rates. They tout all these unicorn benefits, but I really wonder what the conditions that they aren't talking about will be. Just look at the vaccine rollout during COVID and all the restrictions they put on people. You already have proof of how far they're willing to go to get what they want. They denied the unvaccinated organ transplants in parts of Canada. They denied employment insurance for the unvaccinated. They wouldn't allow the unvaccinated onto planes, trains, or even cross over the border. And they will have restrictions for this too. The key point is that this livable basic income or whatever you call it, this new universal basic income scam, is that it creates dependency on the government. And dependency is ownership. Once you rely on that money, they can make you jump through whatever hoops they want you to. They can limit your carbon footprint. Maybe you can't go to the store and buy meat, or maybe you can't gas up your car more than a certain amount of times a week, or maybe you can't fly, or maybe you have to let someone live in your empty spare room. Who knows? The impositions the government can create are limitless, but they only present the positive side while they try to get enough people to buy into it. Now, this reminds me of one time when I was still living back in Calgary, taking a law class, and I was having a discussion about democracy. And I like to slippery slope ideas. And during this one discussion, I remember asking, what if nine out of 10 people voted to take away the 10th person's house? It's a democratic vote. And this is tyranny of the majority. Now, the difference with a basic income is that they'll need far less votes to implement it if it were to go to a vote in the first place. Most of the laws we see these days get implemented and never go to a direct democracy type vote. You voted four or five years ago and the politicians can do whatever the fuck they want until the next election. It's a broken system, but the end game is dependency on the government. Either way, this program of free money has to be paid up via labor and taxes somehow. It's impossible mathematically not to. And that's when the carrot turns into the stick. It also reminds me of the famous saying popularized by Karl Marx himself, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. The question is, who gets to determine the abilities and who gets to determine the needs? And I can assure you that you won't get to determine those things you can be sure that some faceless bureaucrat will. So in closing, when you think of this free money program that should really be called universal compliance income, remember that nothing is free. Everything that gets produced has to be produced by somebody. And that somebody is either you or someone else. So essentially free things really amount to you forcing other people giving you that free stuff kind of like modern slavery. I remember once I saw a sign. I was visiting a zoo and I saw this very insightful sign that read, never attempt to feed the animals. 
They are wild creatures with natural diets and should not be made dependent on handouts. Do you want to stop this madness? Speak up or you'll get memory hold. All content from TheMemoryHoleShow.com and The Memory Hole Show podcast is for the purpose of entertainment and presented solely as opinion.